Hey, y'all. Thank you for the download, for the stream, for the listen, for whatever you're doing to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. The fact that you can hear my voice, I appreciate more than you could possibly know, but you can do a little more to make me appreciate you even more. Believe it. It's true. It's easy, too. First, what you can do is make sure you're subscribed to this wrestling podcast. Uh, all you, you go to iTunes, you go to Spotify, you go to Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts from, hit the subscribe button and make sure that you get and download each and every week that we put out a brand new Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You can also go to iTunes and click the five-star review star thing and leave a rating thing and leave us a review. It helps us more than you could know. Go to iTunes, leave us a review, give us a five-star rating, and if you're looking for a new wardrobe or just some Black Friday shopping, go to notsam.com slash merch uh, or prowrestlingtees.com slash samroberts. Get yourself a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, a Not Sam, uh, Sam Roberts 8-bit t-shirt, whatever. There's about 10, 12-something different t-shirts all for sale right now at that website, and you can put in the code BLACKFRIDAY and get 20% off. Yes, 20% off. Do it now and enjoy Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, what a week, what a week, what a time. What a time to do a wrestling podcast, huh? Boy, have we lucked out. Thank you all for joining me once again here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Got a great show planned for you today. Hope you enjoyed last week's interview with Daniel Bryan. That, of course is available on YouTube. Now, if you go to youtube.com slash notsam, you can see that, as well as various videos from the state of wrestling and the interviews that we do here. Million Dollar Man is up as well. So check all those out. Um, We got a lot to talk about. I just got back from Houston. I was there for NXT TakeOver War Games for doing the pre-show for that and uh, being a part of the kickoff show for Survivor Series this year. Such a thrill. I'll talk about both those in the bridge segment um, before we get into State of Wrestling this week after we play the interview this week because I've got a lot of content for you and a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, um, Survivor Series was a big show. War Games was an amazing show. And the Raw and SmackDown after Survivor Series, it was almost like a mini version of the Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania. Nowhere near that level, but like a mini a mini version of those shows, which is really, really interesting that that's, that's what they decided to do. So we'll talk about all that here this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, but the first thing that I want to do is, uh, is, is talk to a, a pro wrestler, a sports entertainer. Um, Ron Funches did my show uh, here, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, recently. You can go through the back episodes and you can find that one if you missed it. It was a really, really great one. Ron Funches is a great comedian that loves this world of sports entertainment that we all love so much. In fact, he told me he's actually going to train to be a wrestler. I don't know how seriously he's going to take it, but I'm anxious to see what the results are. The reason I bring up Ron Funches is because over on SiriusXM, I was doing, uh, I had Ron Funches in studio when we were joined by The Miz. This went down just a couple days ago, and I thought that I should share it with Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners. We got into a lot of stuff. It was right. Before, it was the day before Survivor Series. Well, it was the Friday before Survivor Series. Um, 
So he was still the Intercontinental Champion, but of course we talked about his new show on Real World, World Rules Challenge thing that he's doing. But, more importantly for all of you, we talked about uh, everything that, that he's had going on recently. We talked about where he's at in his career, his level of confidence. We talked about the difference in him in working with John Cena now versus at WrestleMania 33 versus working with John Cena at WrestleMania 27. We talked about uh, the pregnancy that Maurice has in real life and how it became an angle and whether or not he's supportive of that. We talked about uh, everything. The LeVar Ball stuff. Remember the Miz TV with the Ball family? We got to the bottom of that. Everything you've ever wanted to know about the Miz, well, just about everything, uh, here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast this week. Ron Funches sitting in with me as we speak to The Miz. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. The Miz is Are here. Ready? I'm oh, ready? oh, I was born Ron ready. Funches ready. Uh, we were, we're ready. One of my favorite shows on NBC yeah? got canceled, undateable. I was so aggravated when it got canceled. Were you? Aggravated. Thank you so much. That's great to hear from like the greatest the intercontinental of champion of all time. Yep. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know what I really love too? What do you love? That Norton couldn't be here. Isn't that amazing? He did it on purpose. I think he did too. Yeah. I don't think I forgot about what happened at WrestleMania. Well, we were let me let me paint a picture for everyone out okay. there. This all is right. the most well, must-see WWE superstar promo. of all time, the Miz. <laughs> okay. And we were at WrestleMania and good old Sam and Jim Norton were having yep. their show there. They were inside the elimination chamber. They had the the pick of the litter. They had everything. They best were, seats in the house. Best seats yep. in the house for media day. Oh, yes. I start early in the morning, and I start going off on every single meeting. I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to get to Sam and Jim because I just watched Jim's uh, comedy special on right. Netflix, and I was like, I couldn't wait to talk to him about it. You know, give him a little promotion, get a little buzz started about it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, let him know the so, Miz is watching exactly. you. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. watching. I, I stayed up all night watching your, your, your comedy special, and I wanted to tell him how much I liked it. That's so great. So, so then we go through the whole day. I, it was like four hours of just nonstop talking WrestleMania at every interview, and and I thought, you know what? I'm going to be the last interview of Jim and Sam. Right. I, thought, I thought this is going to be it, right? And you're probably also thinking, oh. all these other interviews are getting repetitive. Yeah, it's the same it's WrestleMania same question. Thing. Yeah. I'm kind of bored. Right. You know, I want to get in there. And what happens? Oh, uh, as I'm stepping up to the <laughs> elimination chamber, getting ready to go on this interview, they go, oh. Sam and Jim are, are done. They're they're not doing any more interviews. Wrapped. <laughs> and they, they wrapped up. And I didn't get to have my interview with, with Jim and Sam. No. I did everyone else. <laughs> no. They were the only ones I didn't get to get. So when I come here today, right. I'm thinking, you know what? <laughs> today will be the day I could talk to Jim about his comedy special on Netflix right. and how much I enjoyed it. I, and who sits in for him? Ron Funches is Phil here. Ron Funches. But you know what? I'm happy about that because, I, I like I said, I was a huge Undateable fan. Thank you I so thought much. the live version was so much fun. Thank you. Was it fun? How hard was that? Uh, it was. It was hard, but also it was freeing because you're like, oh, we're going. You're gonna mess up. You're yeah. gonna make a mistake. Yeah, so. Is there something? Is it kind of easier about doing it live because then it, you just do it once. There's no retakes. There's, there's no, no anything. Oh, but, yeah. just, but, the hours are much better. But right. if you stumble your words, you know, yeah. it's that. That's the hard part. Leaving with WWE, I will stumble words because sometimes I get so aggravated and frustrated 
that the words just don't come out. Like you know when you're aggravated, you totally. can't you can't mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. That's how mad I get sometimes when I'm in the ring. Yeah, and... I can see it. But you know what? But that's why it works. Like some guys when they stumble over words live, it's like oh, because they're you can see in their eyes they're trying to remember something, yeah, and it's like that's script. that's awful. As long as you, as long as your face because your face gets all beat red and the vein in your forehead starts going. So when you start stumbling on words, Thanks. it's so I like look ugly when I'm mad is what you're saying. You look yeah. mad. Well, yeah. I do get really mad. You look angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But, but I did, so, so when, I you, when you guys were doing it, do you guys rehearse a lot? Did, yeah. did you rehearse a lot? Yeah, you just, you know, you rehearse all through the week. It was like, like I would say it was like the closest I got to being like on a sports team. Because you would just practice, 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 and then you have your game. Who would mess up the most? Uh, Brent, Brent Morin. He would mess up he the most. He had a lot of verbiage, though. Yeah, he did. He always had like, he, he was always fast talking. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you give less lines to the guy who messed up the most? <laughs> because <laughs> like, he's a main character. <laughs> I yeah. mean, but you could still, if he messes up all the time, let's yeah. diminish it. It was kind of funny when he did it, though. Yeah. When he would mess up, it was kind of funny. Yeah, no, it worked. And that's what was good with me. Like, I didn't have, like, I would always have, like, just a little joke. So I just walked through, do my line. and You would like, steal the show, though, with just one line. That, thank you so much. I, yeah. I I always thought that, but it's nice to hear. No, it is. That's why you got the show on NBC as well, the superhero show, yes, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Let me ask you about live TV. All right, because go you've ahead. had you've had your moments, but I feel like Oh, you want to ask me questions now? I, do. I would. Now you want to ask me <laughs> I questions? Like to ask you some questions. 6 months later <laughs> yeah, well, after after WrestleMania, I, I also you, you was... snubbed me at at <laughs> WrestleMania. I thought it was so funny that Jim wasn't going to be here because you've told me how upset you were about that like for months you've been telling me Every time this. I see you. Yes. I literally yes. I, I'll never forget the time you snubbed me. And now Jim's not here. And now here. Jim's not here. Like I even said I can't wait to see Jim's hand. He's like, "Oh, Jim's not here." I go, "What?" Excuse me. <laughs> well, I want to know about uh, the live uh, TV moment that you had because you very rarely—I don't know if I've seen you "quote unquote" mess up in many, many, many years at this point. But you're—you've you've gotten very good at at getting out of situations that could be a mess up, um, and I think that's why they put you on TV so much. But. How was the how was the ball family? LeVar Ball? The, the LeVar yes. Ball family. I, I was there for that. <laughs> so so what um, did you think of it? You were there. I was there and then I left. <laughs> so so that's, that's that's how good it went. Yeah. <laughs> so like Miz does a, a segment called Miz TV where it's an interview segment and LeVar Ball comes out with his two kids. And I guess the thought was since the one kid is going to, at that point, he, he wasn't on the Lakers yet, or was he? He was, so that this was the first time that Lonzo Ball would be at Staples Center right. as, a, as a Los Angeles Laker. Right. An official Los Angeles Laker. And so I walk into, the, uh, into their, their dressing room to go over the script. You know, like, hey, d- do you want to go over kind of what we're, it's kind of a baseline. This is what we're kind of looking for. Do you want to go over it? He goes, no, nah, we're good. That's what LaVar said. Yes. I go, are you, are you sure? He goes, no, nah, we're good. I go, all right, so I guess we're just going to wing it out there. Sounds like a plan. It, it really is amazing, and I think that it's it's unique to, to wrestling because, like, nobody would go on SNL and act like, no, nah, don't worry, we know what we're doing. Don't worry about you SNL people. But people think with wrestling that, that oh, this silly wrestling stuff, I'll be able to go out there and I'm, I'm going to look super cool. It's one of the toughest jobs out there. Absolutely. Like, you, you're performing in front of a live audience, and you have hecklers. I mean, you're a stand-up comic. Hecklers can really get in your head. Yeah. Imagine if there's 13,000 of them. And they're encouraged you know? to heckle. And, yeah, At comedy yeah. clubs, they throw you out. Yeah. At wrestling so, shows, they're like, no, more, more, yeah, please. Yeah, give us more, give us yeah. more. And sometimes it's encouraged, but sometimes there's like one person that you can hear over everybody else, and it's just like, oh, this is so annoying. You just I just want to go over there and smack this guy. <laughs> but you obviously don't, and you obviously, and no one else can hear 
hear him besides you. Right. Yeah. And a couple people standing inside him. So, so then you, you look try- like the asshole. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're like, all right, whatever. But uh, LeVar, like, I really like LeVar Ball. I really do. I think he is, uh, he's just a character. And the way him and his son kind of go off of each other, like, mm-hmm. Lonzo's very quiet. Right. And he rem- it's it's very much like a person that like is like his promoter. Mm-hmm. And he just, yo, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And everyone hates the promoter, but you like you can't help but like Lonzo because he's just a quiet kid and keeps his head down and, and works hard to try to be the best he possibly can be. The thing I like about LeVar is that he hel- he promotes his kids. Like he is so supportive of his ch- of his children. Like no matter what they do. Right. Whether they're in China doing something, whether you know the kid is dropping bombs on on Monday Night Raw, he is always stands behind <laughs> them and always supports them. So when he when when Lavar starts kind of coming at you and takes his shirt off because it felt in that moment like that was not something that had been preplanned. It was not. I didn't. And he starts all. getting up on the ropes. No, and stuff. It, it was not. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna let him do his thing because guess what. People are going to be talking about it for months on end and swear to you, I've been doing media for the past two days for mm-hmm. the Challenge Champs versus Stars, and that is one of the number one questions I get asked is about LeVar Ball. That's how much of an impact he has. People can't. St- people are always like, I can't stand LeVar Ball. I hate talking about Why are we talking about him? Because the guy knows how to create controversy mm-hmm. and create drama. That's why he has a reality show on, on, on Facebook, and uh, you know I applaud him for it. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, He's one of those people that is like, you love to hate him, but no matter what you're talking about him he's a kardashian if you will right you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> i mean and as a guy who's perfected the role of 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 bad guy like that you kind of appreciate that i would assume more than most i love it right for me personally it's the way that they often portray a lot of black fathers in the media it's just cool to see such an active father yeah you know, you know what i mean that that's what i'm saying like my dad i'll call him every monday and go dad what you think of the show Man, Kofi Kingston is so good, isn't he? <laughs> what, Dad, did you see what I did? Well, yeah, yeah, you were okay, but I mean, you know, man, these other guys are something. Man, Roman Reigns, did you see how big he is? Did you see him do that Superman punch to you? Yes, Dad, I seen him punch me right in right. the face. That's nice. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I saw it. You know, coming and then it made contact. Yeah, and then it made contact. That's yeah. great, Dad. And yeah. uh, so it's cool to see a dad who is so supportive of his children. Now, is there a part of you too that goes like, okay, because honestly, your role in that position is to make the segment work, right? Yeah. Because the Ball family, that's not where they are. But do you I realize... I keep it rolling. I keep it going. And that's exactly what I did. When I felt like uh, things were getting awkward or weird, yeah. I would move on. And so that's kind of what we did. And sometimes you can't control it. Well, that's what I was going to ask. But, when people don't cooperate with you, do you get to a point where you're just like, you know what? I'm going to let you do it. Yeah, then. I'm, we'll it, no, exactly. Go ahead. Go that, ahead. That's exactly what you do. And then you just keep them on track of where we're going with the story and where we need to go. And otherwise, you just let them be because guess what? People are going to be talking, and that's exactly what you want. No matter what, that that clip is looked at all the time on YouTube. It's, it's looked out everywhere. So sometimes the train wrecks are what people want to see. Look at every reality show out there. Right. The train wrecks are what people want to see. And the Challenge Champs versus Stars that's coming out this Tuesday yeah. has all of that. Right. It has the drama. It has the comedy. It has a little bit of everything that you want. It has Terrell Owens who is one of the most dramatic people in all of the NFL. Granted, he is one of the greatest NFL wide receivers of all time, Mm -hmm. but you put him up against a guy like CT – How's he going to fare in that challenge? Yeah, yeah. Did you like that? Did you like that I turn? It was that. so I'm great. Just watching it, it I'm was learning. so great. Oh, it's just good work. How do you react in your own head when that little kid drops the end bomb 
in the middle of live TV. I didn't hear it. You didn't. I didn't hear. It. You know, there's so much going on, uh-huh. and you. I, th- I think it was during Dean Ambrose's music. It was. So you can't really in the in the uh, in the ring. Sometimes you can't even hear the person that is speaking to you. Mm. Like I'm literally a, a really good lip reader a lot of the times because I, there's so much. I did. I was I was with you on on one of the pre shows recently, and like when we do the pre shows, you have to have earpieces in there are turned up way loud because they're in the middle of the crowd and Miz was Miz came on to say something to Kurt Angle and like I'm looking at the Miz and he's going back and forth with Kurt Angle but he didn't because he just kind of ran onto the set he wasn't wearing earpieces so I'm looking I didn't at hear this a word he said. I'm like there's no way you could hear a no, word that I, he said. I, I was lip reading I just lip and I know I know where I want to go and I know what I'm doing and it's kind of like I just rip into people and then when I listen to them, I'll be like, all right, I think he probably said something along these lines, because obviously he's going to disagree with whatever I say. Yeah. So whatever his disagreement is, I can just go off of it. Have you gotten to the point where you have, like, I don't know if it's a chip on your shoulder, but the confidence of being like, you know what, I've I've definitely paid deserve my dues. I, I deserve to be in yeah. the spot that I'm in. I think I'm at a confidence level now that I've never had before in WWE. I've always been very confident. But this is another, a whole another level where I know what I'm doing, I know where I want to go, and I know what I need to do. There was an interview that I actually listened to with John Cena where he said, like, he's an elite level athlete. He's, he's, he's elite, and he needs to make people elite uh, whenever he goes up against them. And I was, I was like, God, as much as I hate to give him credit where credit is due, it's exactly right. If you're an elite talent, yeah. you cannot allow anyone that comes into your – I guess eliteness mm-hmm. and take you down. You have to be able to make them rise to your your level. Right. And what I would do normally is like I don't know if I would go to their level or whatever, or just I would just let things be. Mm-hmm. And now I don't let things be. Right. It's I know what I'm doing. I know how to get people to talk, how to listen, and how to make something really memorable. And that's exactly what I set out to do. Like this thing with Baron Corbin, I've been having with uh on uh. On Survivor Series. We have Survivor Series this Sunday. I knew we were going to have zero TV time to do anything uh, because he's on SmackDown Live and I'm on Raw. And we have a match. It's the Intercontinental Champion versus United States Champion. This should be a huge monumental match. And we were giving no TV time. So literally he came off at me on, on social media. And people laugh and go, oh, it's social media. But believe it or not, a lot of people... Watch social media. It could be a bigger audience yeah. than the TV audience. It, that sometimes, yeah. yeah. Like I have like 1.5 million people on Instagram, 2.5 on you know on Twitter. That's how many people are watching whatever I do. And so sometimes my friends who sometimes don't catch Raw, they'll know what I'm doing through that. So literally, we created a buzz about our match through social media. And it's, uh, I think people are more excited about it than some of the matches that are, have been televised and See, been well, showcased. Well, I like it because it lets you blur the lines a little yes, bit more. exactly. Because, like, I mean, well, I watched a lot of it and just you being able to curse and you do things where I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know. Now I'm not for sure. Because social media is real. The yeah. TV is the TV. Yeah. We've all been conditioned to know it's the TV, it's a show. But once you're on your own social media accounts, well, that's, no, they must really not like each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what gets you excited. Yeah. Can exactly. I ask yeah. a question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I was watching you on Sports Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, why does Katie Nolan hate you? So she doesn't. <laughs> you know what's funny? So I was on Sports Nation, and I, I've been on that a bunch of times. And so Marcellus Wiley, Michelle Beadle, and LZ. There's always a banter, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I literally just go off on on tangents and just start cutting promos. And so Katie Nolan came on, and uh, they were they were. 
I, I think they were just putting her on every show just to get people warmed up to to seeing her on ESPN. And so um, so she came on and I, I called her sweetheart. Mm. <laughs> and uh, she kind of got thrown off, like taken aback a little bit. And so we went to commercial right after that. And right after that, uh, I went over to her and I said, hey, was that okay? She goes, actually, that was that was great. That was fantastic. That was exactly what we needed. So we came back and we kind of continued the banter. And we were talking about um, we were talking about Bledsoe and how he said, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And so Katie and I were talking like, man, it'd be pretty funny if you tweeted out, I don't want to be here. And we didn't think that everyone was going to, to start this whole thing on what's it, social media. Right, because it's real. Because uh, it's real. Right. And so everyone started saying, like, you know, there was one of two things. One, this is the greatest segment ever. Katie and Miz should have their own show. Uh-huh. Two, Miz is a misogynistic pig <laughs> and doesn't deserve to be. How dare him call her a sweetheart? Now, what they didn't see is behind the scenes is, so Katie had to leave and go do another show because they were putting her on everything on ESPN. And so it looked like we got an argument and she left the show. So oh, people, that's great. Put, people put two and two together. Yeah. It was talked about all over everything. WWE was calling me going, what's going on here? <laughs> we don't need I'm you like, upsetting Katie yeah, Nolan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but the thing was, like, we're good. Like, Katie and I are good. I think she does a great job on ESPN. And it was just one of those things that, you know, Twitter takes its toll. I hope and she hears this and then responds like cutting a terrible oh promo. Oh, my God. I, like, <laughs> just like, he's I lying. Hate him. I he's can't. a liar. Yeah. He's terrible. How dare him? <laughs> But no, I think I think we're we're definitely all good, and uh, I've actually been invited back to Sports Nation, but I just I'm so busy. You're busy. Like, I'm I am so busy. WW. I literally just got back from a European tour with WWE. Uh, had time to do my laundry and then come here for a media tour for the Challenge Champs versus Stars. Yeah. So it's nonstop. Yeah, it's kind of incredible that you're plus doing... total divas. And you're on total I divas. Know. My wife, okay. my wife is oh. pregnant with yeah. our, with our firstborn, hey, our first did, daughter. How did you? I was I was thinking about it as I was watching it because I, I I liked it. I've always been a fan of when people uh, when wrestlers use their personal lives and like really inject it. But was there any part of you that was like, I do not want to talk about my unborn child as part of this gimmick? No. Or were you like, yes. I wanted to use it more. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted, I literally came at them and said, listen, uh, well, they allowed, I thought it was really cool that we can go in the ring and say, and announce to the the world. I mean, WWE is where we first met. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to sit there and, you know, I met the love of my life through WWE to get to announce in front of a huge worldwide audience that, listen, you know, Maurice is pregnant. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I came up with a whole storyline where I wanted to be we're pregnant. <laughs> I mean, how annoying is That's that? So like, terrible. like Kurt Angle comes at you and goes, listen, you have a match tonight. Kurt, <laughs> we're pregnant. That would have been good. I am so oh, sorry, but I, I, I cannot do that. I have Lamaze class today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, how, you got, how, how terrible would I be as a guy? Like, You oh, have to go on oh. paternity leave. Like right? a long, yeah. like extended. Like, I'm on paternity leave. Or you go to the shows and you go, I would be wrestling tonight. But as you know, I'm on paternity leave. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the whole thing I wanted. But... Um, but no, it's kind of not that way. So we, uh, Maurice is still doing total divas and, uh, she's loving it. She's having a blast on E. Is she, is she in the same camp as you are about like, yeah, let's take this and let's put it into the storyline. Let's oh, put absolutely. it on TV. She's she likes always it. on board yeah. with, with whatever she wants. You know, she thought it was hilarious and fun. That's but awesome. Obviously WWE is not 
it's it's dangerous. It's very mm-hmm. it is like as much as we sit there and look at it. I mean, we always tell kids not to try it at home. So you know, as uh, as Maurice and I thought, we were like, ah, you know what? Maybe you should just take it easy. We'll do Total Divas every Wednesday on E. There it and, is. Uh, <laughs> there it is. You know? Did you like that? Yeah, it was great. I thought it was great. I love it. When you're talking about your uh, experience and where you are and being a, an elite athlete now, how different was working with John Cena this year at WrestleMania than six years ago or whatever it was? So six years ago, I would say... It's not that I wasn't ready for that that huge of a thing. I don't think I had the confidence that I have now. Right. And obviously, you live and you learn. And through the learning process, um, now I know that even when you don't have a title, when you're not in a main event caliber type of program, you have to remain main event level and always not allow anything to, to hinder that. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. Before, I'd be like, oh, okay, I can get this done. Oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Now I'm like, wait a second. How do I remain in the main event level scene? Like, how do I, how do people still look at me as as elite, as a top star, as a top dog? And I think I've been proving myself each and every time I go out there and making memorable moments for people, you know, watching the show and making the Intercontinental title the most prestigious it's ever been in its entirety. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main goal that I've had the entire time having this, this, this championship is just making it what it used to be. When I was a kid growing up, mm-hmm. the Ultimate Warrior was on the same level as Hulk Hogan, who was the world champion at the time. Mm-hmm. And right now, what title do you, singles title, do you see on Monday Night Raw right. each and every week? Right. The Intercontinental Championship. Right. Now, let's talk about it. Challenge uh, champs versus stars. The, the champs that are on the show, because the premise is, like, people that have been excellent on the challenge that, you know, years ago were on Real World and Road Rules, but have done these challenges, are now uh, facing... Celebrities. Some of the some of the champs, though, are people that you were on challenges yeah, with, correct? Exactly. So what's that interaction like? It's great. Yeah. They trust me. I, they know I've been through well, what it, they've been through. I mean, it's great for you. You went on and became this even bigger and bigger and bigger star. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome I for you. That, they're so happy for like the the for the successes that 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 I've been awarded. You know that I've that I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, like. It, it's great because I'm a little bit of both sides. Like, you know, I'm part champs, part stars. I've, I've been where the challenge champs have been. I've done it. So I think they trust me more. And I think the stars trust me because, you know, I know some of them as well. Um, you know, Ariane Andrews is on there as well from right. WWE. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know a lot of them. So it's kind of like a trusting and uh, it's great to be trusted because then you can light fires where fires <laughs> yeah, are needed. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, also- and that, that's the fun part about this, too, is the fact that I always get, I could beat you in a challenge. Mm-hmm. And every time, there's so many people that think that they can go on the challenge and do great. So now we're getting stars the opportunity. And this isn't stars that are just athletes. These are athletes, musicians. These are comedians. And we're giving them the opportunity to put their money where their mouth is. And not only that, but they have a chance to win money for their charity. And that's what they're all fighting for is for uh, their own charity of their choice and raising money for it. So to put them against the greatest champs uh, of challenge history. I mean, you got Johnny Bananas, you got CT, you got Zach, you got Wes. And you also have these these dominant girls like Emily and Ashley and, and you know, 
it's 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 an Anissa, and then you put these stars who are NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens. You have America's sweetheart, Olympic gold medalist Sean Johnson. You have uh, Michelle Waterson, who is an MMA fighter. You have Kim Glass, who is a silver medalist in the Olympics. I mean, these, and I mean, you have you have Josh. The Bachelor. I mean, no one, no one it gets no better. No one can romance better than Josh. Maybe little Romeo. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's also, I mean, it's pretty amazing and remarkable that when you were doing the reality shows and when you were on the challenge, you were the Miz. Like you I were calling the yourself the Miz. You were giving everybody Miz T-shirts to wear. And now it's just mm. cool when stuff like that happens. So that's everybody, one of my favorite thing. Isn't it great? I love it. It's Why a great story. It's just... a great underdog story. You would think I'd be cheered. Don't, wouldn't you think so? Well, it's, isn't it, I, I isn't think it about that so sometimes. So relatable. With you. Like man, this guy was on a reality show and he said he I wanted to, to be the it. Miz in did WWE. He did and it. then he went and did it. I, and then even when he did it, people still were like, no, no, no. And now he's 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 succeeding. Mm-hmm. It's it's the true underdog story, but everyone still hates me I, and boos me. It's because of your face. Yeah. You think so? It's the face. I'm I, too good looking. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I think about that with you, that why, the, the why is it just that you don't carry yourself like an underdog. You carry no. yourself like it's you're entitled to it. Yeah, you look and like it makes a background people, in the smooth I feel like, criminal video. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the same thing. The same, That's good. The same thing happens to me. Nobody treats me like an underdog. Everybody treats me like a douchebag. So, well, because you are. That might be yeah, it, too. I mean, that. you're the same guy that, that snubbed me. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> you're right. an underdog. You're right. An underdog would never snub no, the Miz. You're right. An true, underdog true. would talk to an underdog. You're but right. no, you snubbed Mm-mm. me. Miz, I, better I have to a do. question because I'm yep. going the other way. I'm going from comedy, and now in January, I'm going to start training in wrestling. And so I want some Are you advice. kidding me? No. <laughs> I'm going to the Santino Brothers Wrestling School in Southern California. <laughs> January 8th is my start date. So I just want... You know, I want to come in respectful, and I, I want people to take me seriously. Uh, but also, probably, I want, and I also probably want to work more your style. I'm not going to be a high flyer. That's for sure. Well, who needs it? If you, if right. you have the charisma, the, the 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 gift of gab, you don't need it. Like as much as people are like, oh, this that other thing. Like I can make an audience boo or cheer and think it's the greatest match of all time. Like watch watch John Cena versus The Miz at at WrestleMania this year. And literally, the crowd is on its feet. The crowd is chanting. And honestly, we really didn't do that much. We just told a great story. And that's what people want nowadays. They want larger-than-life characters, and they want a great story, a story that they can ingest and, and literally look at and go, wow, what a great what a great story. Well, I think that was, that was one of the moments that really solidified you because on paper, when people heard about that WrestleMania match happening this year— People were rolling their eyes and going, I don't want to, I don't want to, Nikki Bell and John Cena and Mike and Marie, I don't want to see. But the minute that the four of you got in the ring together, people were like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Exactly. And it was because of the story that was being told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, sometimes that's, that's if you're a great storyteller, look at Ric Flair's 30 for 30. Yeah, amazing. It, amazing, right? Why? Because Ric Flair is one of the greatest storytellers inside and outside the ring. Right. And now, he can make you feel do you think you could beat Ron Funches in a in a match? In a match? <laughs> yeah. Right now, yeah. right after his training, I don't know. But you were asking for advice. Yes. Uh, my the best advice I've ever gotten was from Billy Kidman. I was it was two thousand and two 
We were at the Playboy Mansion. I just began training at Ultimate Pro Wrestling, and I was invited to the Playboy Mansion. I was ecstatic. I was I couldn't believe it. Amazing. And I saw Billy Kidman there. It was uh, Tori Wilson's, I think, cover issue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, like, Billy Kidman's right there. I, I, and I went up to him, and I said, what is your best advice for someone coming up? I just started at Ultimate Pro Wrestling, and it was the best advice ever. It sounds very simple. But sometimes the simplest advice is the best. And it was stick with it. And I was like, that's it? Stick with it? <laughs> but, however, do you have any idea how many people I watched quit? Yeah. I've seen so many people. And, and it's because of, for, for you, it, uh, I got this gig with, with uh, this television show. I got this gig with comedy. Uh, a girlfriend, uh, you know, uh, a relationship, family, all this stuff gets in the way sometimes and you forget what you really want and where you want to go. So sticking with it was like the best advice I ever got. You know, another great advice I got, which wasn't wrestling. It was for acting. Um, I was doing my first movie, Marine three home front, another plug, Uh, (laughs) but I was doing my first movie and I was a lead in it. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous. I want to do well. I want to do the greatest thing. And who do I know that is, you know, an, an actor, the rock. So I text the rock and I said, Hey man, do you have any advice for me? Not a minute went by and he called me and started telling me. And we literally, we talked for an hour. And after that, after that conversation, I was so cool, calm, collected and ready and motivated. Yeah. Like he's so motivating when he speaks. And the thing that I took the most out of it is he just said, just be natural. And it sounds easy, right? Mm. But when you have five cameras on you and you have to hit a spot Mm -hmm. and you have these lines and this dialogue and all this stuff, you forget that sometimes the easiest thing to do is be natural. Yeah. Yeah. You do that very well, Ron, by the way. I appreciate it. So you have that down. I'm working on it. Well, listen. Here's a little simple advice. Uh, Everybody turn on uh, the challenge, Champs versus Stars, next Tuesday, November 21st, 10 p.m. Eastern. Thank you. We'll see you. uh, We'll see you next week. Yeah. Here is Sam Roberts. Much thanks to The Miz here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Always a good guest um, and a lot to say. It's just an interesting time to to pay attention and to look at the life and the career of The Miz. And we'll talk about The Miz uh, in the state of wrestling for sure. Uh, I did want to thank everybody at WWE for having me again. <coughs> Excuse me. Over the weekend in Houston. My voice is, uh, I'm really using the voice today. Not only if you download a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast today will you hear me, but if you need more Sam Roberts, I'm over on the Wade Keller Wrestling Podcast too. Big Thursday for Sam Roberts. I mean, it's a Thanksgiving gift for everybody. I hope I hope everybody sits around their Thanksgiving table and says, I'm thankful that Sam Roberts talks about wrestling so much. Um, and happy Thanksgiving, by the way, to everybody. Uh, for those of you that downloaded this on the day that it came out, a, a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Everybody that's stateside anyway. In the UK, you guys are like, I don't care if it's Thanksgiving. I don't know what you guys are celebrating. But everybody in the US, happy Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, so big thanks to The Miz. Uh, We'll we'll talk about his loss, his Intercontinental Championship loss uh, to Roman Reigns in the state of wrestling in a few minutes. Uh, But I did, again, want to thank WWE for having me out in Houston over the weekend uh, to do the, the NXT, the kickoff show to NXT War Games and the pre-show I'm sorry the the pre-show to NXT War Games and the kickoff show to Survivor Series I don't know why they're different names but they are uh I I mean I can't tell you 
how much fun they are. And then getting to watch, it, it was really funny because like I can't control myself. So when I watch shows, I watch shows. You know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of this stuff. That's why, and I figure the reason I, the WWE asked me to start doing the, the kickoff shows and the pre-shows is because I'm a fan. So I don't go and pretend I'm not a fan, right? So usually what I do when I want to watch the shows when I'm there is I find a monitor backstage with some sound and I just, I, I watch the pay-per-views. And sometimes I'll move, like if there's a monitor like over by the, uh, makeup area or in catering or in the locker room that I'm in like I'll go from room to room just to not you know just to move a little bit but I'll be sitting in front of monitors and there's usually you know whatever a couple other people sometimes some of the wrestlers some of the backstage people some of the producers some of whoever you know everybody's there's a lot of people working in that company but especially it was there were two matches that made me stop one was it takeover one was it survivor series uh, when Andrade Cien Almas won the NXT championship, I was shameless. I was there in the locker room going, yeah, yes. Oh my God. I didn't know that was going to happen. And everybody's like looking around. Half of them already knew it was going to happen. But like, everybody's like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm excited. I've been watching this guy for a long time. I'm pumped. Andrade Cien Almas, NXT champion. I didn't see that one coming. The other one that I was like biting my nails and on the edge of my seat for was AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar. But at the end of the day, a lot of the guys that work there are such fans. Like we're all watching, especially the AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar match. We're all watching that the same way. We're all biting our nails. None of us can believe what we're seeing in front of our eyes. Uh, it was amazing. It was amazing to see. And and those things are always so much fun. So So thank you to WWE. And like... The staff, I, I saw one guy, like, one guy tweeted me that he thought that the the thing that I did in the crowd at the Survivor Series kickoff show was uh, overly produced and the fans were planted and they were told what to chant and everything. If you only knew how good the WWE production staff is at making last minute stuff work, keep in mind, the vast majority of WWE product is live live. It's all live TV, okay? And so much of it is spontaneous. It is amazing what gets done with like 30 seconds notice. When I was on Survivor Series and I was rattling off names, the reason I was rattling off names was because I didn't, I couldn't believe that I remembered those names because I hadn't thought of the names right before we went on because everything was a rush. But everything gets done perfectly, perfectly. It's, 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 it's amazing how well things are done, but no. There are no plants. There's no, nothing is overly produced. Everything is produced well. Everybody does their job well. It's just, it, it's an amazing, amazing place to work. And I'm, uh, I like to, I actually, it goes beyond wrestling. Like I like to bring back lessons from working in that company to the other places I work. I mean, I, I, I apply it to how I run the Not Sam company. I apply it to, um, Sirius XM, you know, the whole thing. It's just, uh, it's a really, really amazing place to be. But enough of talking about that. Let's talk about what went down on TakeOver, what went down on Survivor Series and how it played out on Raw and SmackDown. Let's get in to the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we are at State of Wrestling time. Boy, oh boy, I love this time of week. What a week it's been. It's been a huge week, actually, 
for me, I was in Houston, but for all of us, we all got to watch uh, everything that went on uh, uh, all week in WWE. I mean, it was a big WWE week. I know a lot of people say that the state of wrestling tends to be WWE heavy, but let's be honest. It was a big week for WWE, and that's where the real news uh, is going. Uh, we're doing this live on Facebook. In case you didn't know, we do State of Wrestling live on Facebook every, just about every week. So you can friend us or like us or whatever at facebook.com slash notsam, uh, and you'll be able to be a part of it as well. But So I'll read some of the comments when we get to them. Um, but I think we got to start. I guess we can go chronologically, can't we? Uh, I think we should start with Saturday. And that's NXT TakeOver War Games. Now, you can go on the WWE Network and you can find all, well, not every old War Games match, but a lot of the old War Games matches. And what you'll see is there are a lot of War Games matches that were great, mainly the earlier ones, and a lot of War Games matches that were downright terrible, mainly the later ones. Uh, I thought that the, the War Games match that we saw at NXT TakeOver was... Among the best. Among the best War Games matches we've ever had. People remember them fondly, and for good reason. You know, you kind of uh, 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 reminisce about the good times. But, uh, and, and, and there are a lot of good ones. But this was one of, one of the best War Games matches. Um, some of my favorites, there's one on the WWE Network from, I think, I think it's 1987. Dr. Death Steve Williams is in it, and when you hear the reaction that Steve Williams gets when he enters into that War Games cage, it's amazing. 1992, the Dangerous Alliance versus the Stinger Squadron is also an amazing, amazing War Games match. But this year, it was, uh, uh, of course, the Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong versus Sanity versus the Undisputed Era. And I guess we'll start with what WWE did with the War Games cage and match itself. There was a lot of uh, controversy about the modernization of the cage. Mainly, people didn't like that there was no roof on it. People didn't like that they removed the roof of the War Games cage, which I'll tell you the truth. When I first heard it, I didn't like it either. I was like, no, I want my War Games with a cage, with a, with a, with a roof. I can't imagine if they did it without a cage altogether, but with a roof. That's part of it, right? But, I mean, it's not just, it's not, so they said that they removed the roof because the roof was limiting and they wanted to open it up to different uh, move possibilities in the match, which of course leads people to believe that uh, people are going to be jumping off, superstars are going to be jumping off the top of the cage, which happened, but that, and I think that that happened because people expected it and you're like, we got to throw one of these things in if we're going to take the roof off the thing, but what is important to realize is it wasn't just about taking the roof off so that you can jump off the top of it. It was about everything that you did inside the War Games cage. So there were a couple of great spots. There was uh, there was that big, I, I never remember what it's called, the thing that you start with a suplex and it turns into a power bomb. and they did it like eight of the nine guys all went down at once and Adam Cole just survives in between the two rings holding up like that. But you can't do that move with a roof on the cage because the roof on the cage is short. It's not like a hell in a cell roof. It's, 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 it's a squat cage. So it's short and it doesn't allow you that kind of movement. You can't flip upwards. Go to the War Games match in 1991 and watch Sid Vicious and Brian Pillman going one-on-one -on -one, and you tell me when Sid Vicious goes to powerbomb Brian Pillman, 
if having a roof on that cage is a good idea. Because when you powerbomb somebody, those legs have to flip upwards. And when those legs flip up and there's mesh, steel mesh on top of you, you're not flipping upwards, and then Sid is dropping you on your head. And then as if, as he, he, he <laughs> you got to see this clip if you haven't already. He bends down to, to, I guess, I thought to check on Brian Pillman and find out if he's okay. And as soon as he finds out Brian Pillman is not paralyzed, he picks him up and attempts another powerbomb. If you want to see a professional wrestler try to avoid being powerbombed, watch 1991 War Games, because Brian Pillman wants no part of it. He just got dropped on his head. And Sid is going for a second powerbomb. But there's moves like that. And the, uh, one of my favorite things in the match, it was kind of based on everything else that happened. It was a little bit understated. But the, uh, the back body drop, I can't even remember who did it at this point. But the back body drop where the guy went out one ring into the other, he, he gave him the back body drop and the guy got so much air that he flipped over the gap between the two rings and landed in the opposite ring. That doesn't happen if there's a roof on the cage. Because the legs have to go upwards, right? And the roof on the cage is going to stop you and you're just going to squash down right where you are. You know, the, uh, I, I think it'd be really difficult to do the, the fall away slam Samoan drop thing. You know, because you can't fall away slam somebody because there's a roof right over your head. So as it turned out, as I was watching the match, uh, I actually thought that they made the right move by taking the roof off the cage. Uh, I also... Something that I don't know that if they talked about it on commentary, I noticed it right away when I was in the arena, which they've, surprisingly, they've never done before. But it was the steel plate that stretched between the two rings. Did you see that? Oh, it was Eric Young. I'm seeing that on, on Twitter. He says that was Eric Young. Yes. Yes, it was. I thought Eric Young, I thought everybody in the match was really, really good. But I thought Eric Young was an MVP. I thought Roderick Strong was probably the MVP of the match. And I thought the Undisputed Era looked amazing. But um, uh, the, the steel bar, the steel platform that stretched between the two rings, there was a little bit more distance between the two rings than there has been in the past. But that steel kind of plate that went between the two rings, it was just, it, it's just this little thing. This little detail that for some reason nobody's ever thought to do that made everything better. Everything better. Because then you could like, then it became one surface. Even though it's separated by ropes, of course, it still just became this one kind of flat surface that you could actually do things on. And you didn't have to worry about sliding between the two rings and breaking your ankle or something. I can't, I honestly can't believe that, uh, uh, Nobody's broken their ankle in the past in that War Games match. I see somebody on Facebook right now, Carlton, saying, I was surprised they didn't utilize more offense on that plate. They slammed Dane on it once, I think, and they did, yeah. They slammed him between the two rings, and it was like this whole other area. I just thought it was brilliant and, and amazing that that's never been done before. The Shark Cage edition. So normally you watch old War Games matches and the guys that aren't in the match are on the outside of the cage and whenever the buzzer goes off, somebody goes in. Now, I thought the shark cages initially were very silly. Like I was like, why do you just need to add shark cages to everything? Shark cages don't make everything better always. I hope the guy who invented shark cages went on Shark Tank and got a bunch of money for it because they're just using them like crazy. But they did add a little bit of drama they did add a little bit of suspense. You know, it really, it really, uh, it, it, it did, it did add. 
when you go back to the old War Games matches, you can see when people are about to go in, they uh, uh, before the buzzer goes off, the team has already decided who's going in because they go in one at a time. And they're holding the door. They're ready to just like barge into the cage. So you already know when the buzzer goes off who's about to go in. Which kind of spoils it a little bit. Like then when the buzzer goes off, the excitement, you know who's there. So like if you want to see him, you'll cheer for him. But that's sort of like, oh, who's it going to be thing? Like when the Royal Rumble buzzer goes off and there's that moment of silence before somebody comes down the aisle. With the shark tanks or the, sh- the shark tanks. You never knew when Mr. Wonderful or or whatever, Barbara Corcoran was going to come down the aisle. No, but with the shark tanks, like you didn't know which one was going to open. And presumably, the wrestlers you're watching, you know, you, you want to suspend disbelief and think that they don't know either. So it adds this element of suspense that wasn't there before. The, the visual of the shark tank seemed, a, uh, shark cage seemed a little bit much. But, you know, I, uh, uh, I still think that, that they were useful. Somebody's asking me, uh, CJ's asking me, uh, did somebody get hurt in the war games? Uh, I don't know. Not that I know of. I mean, it didn't seem like it was a... Uh, pleasurable thing and Kyle's asking me what was your favorite moment in the war games my favorite moment was that visual of all eight guys going down and Adam Cole kind of still holding himself up on the cage like that and just kind of realizing like oh my god I avoided that I thought it was great I thought the right team won um yeah I thought the undisputed era needed it and and I think that this is good you know, because at the last takeover, the Undisputed Era comes in and they make this big scene, right? And they and they are like, this is the future of NXT. And then if you watch NXT between the two takeovers, like the Undisputed Era is cool, but it's not like, oh my God, we have got to watch what these guys are doing. This Nobody's going to be able to get anything done. It's not like one of these major, major, major factions, which I think you can start to shifted in that direction now i think that the undisputed era comes out looking better than ever i think sanity comes out looking better than ever i think everybody comes out looking better and like i said i roderick strong i thought was the mvp and he's going to come out eventually i think looking the best i think that this is going to be the beginning to building him as a serious nxt contender speaking of uh, nxt contenders uh the women's title match was was good and i thought oscar handing ember moon the championship was a was a good touch it allows us to take Ember Moon seriously, and I think we all kind of expected Ember Moon to win the title. That wasn't a major sur- surprise. What was, what was a major surprise was uh, Andrade Cien Almas winning the NXT Championship. Uh, Drew McIntyre got hurt in that match. To my knowledge, I don't know exactly what what happened to him. I think some kind it was like something to his bicep, um, but I don't think as of this taping the diagnosis has come out yet. Uh, that said, the where the match where he got hurt was the end of the match. So Andrade did not win the championship because Drew got hurt. He wasn't going to kick out of Andrade's finisher. So I mean, the match went exactly as planned. It's just unfortunately at the very last minute, Drew McIntyre got injured. Uh, I I think Andrade is is actually a, a great move. Him winning the championship is is a terrific, terrific move, um, and it 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 adds it adds to Andrade. I, I think his manager, Zelina Vega, is like, I mean, second only to Paul Heyman at this point. And I know there's not a ton of managers out there, but really, I mean, when you when you when you talk about a manager who's natural, who is believable, who 
adds to the character of the person that they're representing and who doesn't put themselves over without putting the wrestler, the superstar over, you're talking about Zelina Vega. And and Vega's she's been in wrestling for a long time. It's just taken her this long. And it's a good lesson, really, for people in general. Like, Zelina Vega has been doing this for a long time. And it took this long for her to really find her niche. She was in TNA. She was working indies. And she's she's tried out for NXT and for WWE multiple times over the last several years. And for whatever reason, she was a rosebud at one point. By the way, th- those rosebuds are becoming a who's who. But... She was, she's been trying to get this for a long time and she finally gets it and she ends up in this position of managing this guy and it turns out to be the best thing that could possibly happen to her. It's an amazing story and it kind of should, like if you're thinking about it beyond the character and just looking at the people, just remind you that just keep working towards things that you're, 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 you're where you fit in, you'll find it. Zelina Vega found it. If Zelina can do it, you can do it, right? Right, America? So I thought that that, that, was, that was terrific, and uh, uh, I was happy. I was surprised. I was shocked, but I was really, really happy that Andrade won. I think he's a good choice for the NXT champion because it's the first NXT champion in a while where his hype is not based on stuff that he did outside of NXT. You know, no shade to anybody, but that, you know, the last several champions have been people that were really like, okay, we're all excited that they're in NXT because of what they did before, and, you know, within a few months, they're champion of the world, which I understand, and it brings people into the live events, but now we've finally got somebody who, while he obviously wrestled uh, extensively in Mexico and is not a guy whose entire career is made up of what he's done in NXT— his entire career as Andrade Almas, his entire career of what the the general NXT fan universe knows him as. You know, not that many people know of, of, of the stuff he did in Mexico. Not the way, like Kevin Owens came in, everybody knew Kevin Steen. Finn Balor came in, everybody knew Fergal Devitt. Nakamura came in, he didn't even change his name. Everybody knew Nakamura, they all watched Wrestle Kingdom. So... I think that uh, 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 that Andrade coming in uh, is a stamp of approval for NXT. I think it's gonna it's gonna lead to some cool matches, and I think it's a reward for character work that was done in NXT, which is not always rewarded, frankly. If you're not if you're giving it to people based on stuff they did outside of NXT, then you know then then it's not necessarily rewarding the the storytelling that you're doing within the NXT universe, which I think is happening now, and I think it's a very, very good move. Now, the question is, it says, if McIntyre hadn't been injured, CJ writes, uh, I feel like a longstanding feud that eventually built to uh, uh, Almas winning would have been so much better for the credibility of the of the belt. It's not a belt, it's a championship, and the storyline at the same time. Um... You know, I don't, I don't know. And Dave is asking, you see the first uh, Latino NXT champion? He is. As far as I know, who was it? Bo Dallas, Seth Rollins. You know, I think his stepfather is Latino, but I don't think he's Latino. Um, I think that Andrade is the first NXT champion 
of Latin descent, which is huge. And I, and, and, and I think that it's good. I think it's necessary. I think that that's a part of the puzzle, honestly. And hopefully he with Zelina Vega can go to the main roster eventually and do really well there because there isn't a lot of, of, of Latin. There aren't a lot of Latin people who have won championships in WWE in general. You know, there's a handful, but there's not a lot. So uh, uh, it'll be good for Andrade to do that. And it's cool to see a guy uh, who is uh, Hispanic and not wearing a mask. Like, not all Hispanic people have to be luchadors, you know what I mean? So I, I think that that's a good thing. Uh, so, the, so, so the question is, wouldn't it have been better if there was a long-standing feud for that NXT championship. And I don't think so. Like, I've seen that before. I've seen that with all the NXT championship programs. There's a long-standing feud and a rematch, and eventually this guy wins the thing. Sometimes you got to surprise people. Sometimes people want to be surprised. And that's what happened at this show, you know? And, and quite frankly, I could have predicted the result of every match except the championship match. We all knew what was going to happen in all of the matches except the championship match. So I, I think that that's really, really a valuable thing. Now the question is, who does Andrade Almas fight going forward if uh, Drew McIntyre is out with an injury? If there's not going to be a rematch right away, we'll get there. But if there's not going to be a rematch right away, then who is Andrade paired off with? And I was talking to Wade Keller about this on his podcast, which you can download. But Scott says, get the old people out. And I don't know if you must be talking about WWE because NXT, you know, even Drew McIntyre is not old. He's been around for a while, but he's not an old guy. Um, I see. So some people are, are, are commenting, who, who is the guy that gets paired off with Andrade for that championship? Aleister Black is one name. Very possible. I think very likely that Aleister Black, it's early for Aleister Black, but it's very likely. The only thing that would stop you pairing Aleister Black and Andrade together would be that you don't want Aleister Black to lose this quickly. Because I wouldn't want Andrade to just lose the championship this quickly, and I don't know that I'm ready for Aleister Black to lose right now. Um, so that's one thing. And then another person, Scott, is saying uh, Cassius Ono. Here's my problem with Cassius Ono. He just lost to Lars Sullivan. Like, Cassius Ono is in no position to be a contender for the NXT Championship yet. He could be at some point, but not yet. Uh, Killian Dane is one. I, possibly. Possibly. Eric Young, you could do. Possibly. But here's my idea. I think that depending on how long Drew McIntyre is out, and who knows how long he'll be out, but he certainly won't be good for Royal Rumble. He won't be good. The next takeover is in January. It's only two months. And Drew is not back by January. So, I would have to imagine. You know, I don't know anything for a fact, but I would have to imagine. So, I think the thinking here is you want Andrade to keep the championship. And you want his first big feud, or maybe not his first, but you want a big feud to be with Drew uh, McIntyre. So, logically, you're going to try to get Drew McIntyre back for the WrestleMania takeover in April. Right? So, what do you do in January? Here's what I think should happen. I think, and I see Adrian Rodriguez said Velveteen showed he's really good. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Velveteen dream, but he's not ready for a championship uh, uh, program yet. I could see him getting a championship match on a TV, 
but not he's not ready for a championship main event match, I don't think. Um, what I would do if I had the ears of the people running NXT is I would suggest, and it's a, and Colton says maybe feud with Gargano in time for a Chiampa return. Gargano's lost every single match he's had since he returned. I don't know how you can put him with a champion. What I would do is say, hey, who had one of the best matches of the year at a takeover? Who is a guy who, no matter when he steps in the ring, is having one of the best matches, doesn't lose that often, and could credibly be an NXT champion? Sean says Adam Cole, even if it's heel versus heel, not in my opinion. I think in January... The main event of TakeOver should be Andrade Cien Almas versus Pete Dunne. NXT champion versus UK champion with the NXT championship on the line. This is not something, I think that, you know, this week on NXT TV, you'll see Gargano versus Pete Dunne. And that match is great. That match is terrific. And it proves that, that Pete Dunne, it's exciting to see Pete Dunne go beyond the UK division. It's exciting to see him in there with somebody who we're used to seeing just in NXT, not one of just the UK kids. So, I think if you have Pete Dunne come out and say, hey, I've blown through all the UK guys. You handed me Gargano. I beat him too. So, what do you got for me now? I want to be more than the UK champion. I want to be the NXT champion. And you'd have a match. You mean to tell me anybody that watches NXT would not be losing their minds if they found out that in January they'd see Andrade Almas versus Pete Dunne for the NXT championship? You'd have the opportunity to not only turn Pete Dunne into a bigger superstar by raising his stock, would also raise the stock of the UK championship, and you'd have an opportunity for Andrade to be in this incredible match because he's got an incredible opponent now. And you get to see Andrade in the best possible light, assuming that he could have a great match with Pete Dunne, and I don't know why he couldn't because I think he's, he's great as well. And, you know, in that way, Andrade doesn't lose the match. He keeps the NXT championship. He can beat Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne has an incredible match, so even though he loses, he walks out with his head held high, people loved the match, he's still the UK champion, and that still means a lot. Andrade can then go on to a real uh, uh, rivalry with Drew McIntyre if he's back by then, or by then you could have built up Roderick Strong to be a real force and have Roderick Strong get his final opportunity at the NXT Championship at the WrestleMania TakeOver. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I think would be, would be uh, uh, and I, I see a bunch of you are agreeing with me on Facebook, that's what I think would be an amazing match for the next TakeOver is Pete Dunne versus Andrade Almas. Uh, Lars Sullivan had a great debut on the TakeOver show, and the Velveteen Dream Alistair Black match stole the show. And it is so cool. It is so cool to see... In one week, in, in three days, in a course of three days, you see Velveteen Dream have match of the night at an NXT TakeOver show, which took show of the weekend, as usual, as TakeOver usually does. A tough enough guy, Velveteen Dream, took match of the night at show of the, of the weekend. Then you t- turn on Raw two days later, and you see Mandy and you see Sonya Deville. Also from Tough Enough. Three people, 
all eliminated from Tough Enough, all showing up on the main roster. I think it's really, really cool to see. Uh, I see Colton saying he liked uh, Dream's Rick Rude tights. I did too. I thought Velveteen Dream's whole look was awesome. Uh, I thought the match was great. Um, I they, it told a story. I loved the end when Alistair Black actually said his name. It was just, it was almost it was poetic, is what it was. It was poetic, um, and just the whole thing was really really well done. So kudos to Takeover Survivor Series. I thought that the match that was going to steal the show was the tag match with the Usos and the Bar. And while that was a very good match, I don't think that anyone can argue. And I got Jared saying that that Velveteen Dream versus Aleister Black was not match of the night, it was match of the year. Maybe. There's going to be a nice debate going for match of the year this year. Because you've got the UK guys at the last takeover, or two takeovers ago in Chicago, I think. Yeah, two takeovers ago. You've got Velveteen Dream versus Aleister Black. You've got, I believe... What should be nominated for a potential match of the year was the match that stole Survivor Series. And that match was AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar. When Brock Lesnar comes to work, my God, is he still good. Oh, the story that that I was told watching AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar was, I downright brought a tear to my eye. I couldn't believe. And when I tell you, I mean, I was there. I was in Houston. I was watching backstage and everybody there, the WWE superstars themselves were watching this AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar match. And they were blown away. Like it was something on a totally other level. And it wasn't, they weren't watching with, with bitterness or jealousy. They were watching with, Oh my God, these two guys are amazing. These two guys are amazing. AJ Styles just proves night after night that he is the best, the best wrestler in WWE. Probably in the world. AJ Styles is so good right now. And at 40 years old, he just takes excuses away from everybody. From everybody. It's, it's amazing to see. It's amazing to see what he's able to do. I'm, I, I, I think he's just awesome. How AJ Styles cannot be anybody's favorite wrestler is beyond me. Because it really is, it really is something special. But that to me was match of the night. Duncan says, what a difference it is when Brock is interested in an opponent. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Because we've seen Brock Lesnar matches that are just not good. We've seen boring Brock Lesnar matches where he's just not, it's just blah. But we watched him, the match with uh, Samoa Joe, the match with AJ Styles. Even the Braun Strowman match was good. But the, well, it was okay. But the Samoa Joe match and the AJ Styles matches this year, both great. And the AJ Styles match, to think that that we would be having a conversation where we would say Brock Lesnar might have had match of the year, unbelievable. But that that was, for me, match of the night. Uh, women's elimination was, was yeah, it was, it was a good match. It was decent. You know, there were a lot of cool moments. I think... Uh, Sasha tapping out Naomi. I think that that's the the value of that pay per view is having moments like that, like like uh, the the Raw SmackDown interaction that you never think that you'll see. Uh, but we should talk about the main event. We should talk about the main event for Survivor Series because I think that that is that is what everybody was left talking about. There was so much potential in this match because. You know, if you saw me on the kickoff show, you saw me being all crazy and excited in the crowd, and I was that excited for this match. I 
am in such favor of the match being what it was. I'm in such favor of all the people that were in the match being in the match, even John Cena, everybody, because I think that on paper that match spanned generations, right? And that's not something that you get very often, if at all. When you've got a match that's got John Cena and Randy Orton from the Ruthless Aggression era, and you've got Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle from the Attitude era, and you've got Nakamura and Finn Balor, guys who made their bones in New Japan, and you've got Bobby Roode from TNA, and you've got Triple H from every era, and, 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 and all these guys. It's, 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 it's an amazing... Samoa Joe. You've got, you've got guys that you never thought would compete against each other, You've got guys you thought you'd never see again, and you've got guys you thought would never be in a WWE ring. And I think that that's an amazing thing. It should have gone on last. All those guys should have been in it, like everything. I, uh, In terms of uh, uh, I, I, the countdown, uh, not the countdown, the scorecard going up, probably overdid it a little bit. It didn't bother me, but I know it bothered a lot of people. That's the only reason I say that. Um, and let's talk about the young guys getting killed off, right? I didn't mention Braun Strowman in that list of competitors in the match because you've also got WWE-built guys like Braun Strowman in the match. But let's talk about how the match played out. So on paper, I completely understand what was happening in that match. On paper, I understand what the intention was. On paper, I don't, I'm not against it necessarily because on paper, the match was about building towards what I think will eventually be a Triple H Braun Strowman match and moving to SmackDown to have this this rivalry with, with uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens who have nuclear heat. I mean nuclear heat. But somehow they're in the main event of Survivor Series. Um, to have matches where, where these guys are working for themselves and against SmackDown, I think that there's there's something to that. So I'm not, but, and I think there were moments, right? You had all these moments. I think there were moments like uh, seeing Kurt Angle and John Cena in the ring together, and 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 wrestling again. That was a, that was a major moment. Um, seeing uh, uh, Nakamura go through all the guys that he went through. I mean, there was a really, really, really nice moment where you had Nakamura and he's in there with Finn Balor and they're going head to head and you're like, oh my god. And then he tags in Triple H and you're like, oh my god. And Nakamura does the come on thing where he's like, where he's saying, you know, bring it on. And you're going, oh my God. But then right after that, Nakamura gets eliminated. And you're like, oh my God. Really? You know, it's disappointing. It's disappointing when stuff like that happens. And I think on paper, you go, uh, I, I, we're, we're building Nakamura in this moment. So when he gets eliminated, it's going to be okay. But in reality... You know, you look at the ring and you're left with Kurt Angle, Triple H, Shane McMahon, and Braun Strowman. And you're like, what happened to the active roster? You've got two general managers, an authority figure, and then Braun Strowman. Like, yes, the match was all about Braun Strowman. So it wasn't just about squashing young guys because Braun Strowman is a young guy. But it really didn't do... And and it did good for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Just that little run-in. I mean, they should be thinking they're lucky stars they weren't in the match <laughs> because them having that little run-in was, like, perfect for them. It was exactly what they needed. But, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, uh, 
it didn't pan out maybe the way it was all intended to pan out because at the end of the day, Nakamura, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, none of them really looked stronger coming out of that match. None of them looked like the next big thing. None of them looked like big main event people. I was disappointed for those guys. So what you end up with is this story where what I think is going to happen here, what I would make happen coming off of Survivor Series, because there's no reason to go back and say, like, here's what they should have done, but here's what they can do going forward is more how I think. I see a Royal Rumble match between Triple H and Braun Strowman. I see the Braun Strowman-Triple H thing, that head-to-head coming at the Royal Rumble. And I see Braun Strowman winning. And that's a good look for Braun Strowman. Okay, that is taking a young guy who's going to be there prefer- hopefully for a while and a guy who started very low and has, and has risen and deserves to be in the spot that he's in and and turning it into something good. I think that's a positive. And, and Triple H working with him and losing to him and making him even, even bigger, that's a positive. I think at WrestleMania... Triple H comes off the Braun Strowman loss and moves to Kurt Angle, who then you'll have a Kurt Angle-Triple H match, and maybe it'll be for control of Raw or whatever. But I think you can still have that match even after Triple H loses to Braun Strowman. And honestly, I'd rather have Triple H face Kurt Angle at WrestleMania than have him wrestle one of the active roster guys, because I'd rather have the active roster guys wrestle each other, quite frankly. Um... But I would say that uh, uh, it's going to be Strowman and Triple H at Royal Rumble, not WrestleMania. That's what I would do. So you did tell that story, right, in the Survivor Series match. That's what the ending told. And by the way, there's all this footage of Triple H like walking into the video screen at the end of Survivor Series. Dude, Triple H was acting like a fool, for like 10 minutes after the show. He kept standing up and falling back down and standing up and falling back down and Stephanie would help him out of the ring and then he'd get back up in the ring and then he'd stand up and then he'd fall down. Like he was going nuts after the show went off the air. It was hilarious. I loved it. Um, But, and it was just something for the live crowd. It was just fun. But, um, and you can find video of it if you search around online. The problem is that in telling the story of Braun Strowman, Triple H, and Kurt Angle. And in telling the story of Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and the SmackDown roster, you sacrificed, at a, in the main event of a big four pay-per-view, you sacrificed the stories of Shinsuke Nakamura, of Finn Balor, of Samoa Joe, of Bobby Roode. You know, and maybe there isn't a story for Bobby Roode at the moment, which is unfortunate, but... I really, really think that you've got something in Shinsuke Nakamura. There are these moments, moments, where Shinsuke Nakamura shines bright. Bright like a diamond. He shines bright. And Survivor Series was one of those moments. I've talked about the moment at Money in the Bank when him and AJ Styles were face-to-face. But his moment, specifically with Triple H, Finn Balor was okay. It was, was pretty good. But his moment with Triple H was incredible. It was awesome. So I, I think that that's something that needs to be uh, taken care of a little bit. That's something that needs to be 
Harbored. And I see people, Christopher is on the Facebook page saying, uh, are we going to see AJ Styles versus uh, Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania? Undeniably, that's the match that we all want to see, is AJ versus Shinsuke. And they could call it that. It's the battle of the A's. But I'm still not convinced that we are going to see that. You know, I'm not convinced that the commitment is in all the way for Shinsuke Nakamura. Right or wrong, I would say wrong. I think that we should have that match, but I'm not convinced that it's going to happen. I mean, who knows? We could have AJ Styles lose the championship at at Clash of Champions in Boston in December, and he doesn't even go to WrestleMania with the championship. I think it would be a horrid mistake if that happened, but it could happen. You just don't know, right? You don't know. So... um. So I think that, that that is the match that we all want to see, though, at WrestleMania. And But I think that Shinsuke needs to be worked on and and harbored a little bit, uh, if harbored is the right word. Um, I think that... Uh, 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 is AJ uh, making it to Mania with the championship? I just uh, was talking about that, uh, Corey. Um, somebody's saying... Scott is saying that he wants to see Finn Balor versus The Rock. I mean, let's talk about... I th- he probably meant Brock. Let's talk about Finn Balor. You know, if you watch Survivor Series and you watch Raw, it doesn't strike me that for whatever reason, Finn Balor is going to be in the main event of anything anytime soon. Right? It just doesn't seem like that's in the cards for him. Um, you know, he lost to Kane. He lost to Survivor Series. There was the, the moment with John Cena at Survivor Series was great, but he lost at Survivor Series. And then he lost clean to Samoa Joe. It's like, it's tough, man. It's really, really, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing to do. I just don't, I don't see it working out for Finn Balor at the moment. I think anybody can snap back and I think that Finn Balor should be. It, it sucks to watch somebody who there was obviously all the faith in the world in. Let's, let's keep it real. Summer of 2016, Finn Balor gets drafted to Raw. First night out. I think it was, it was either his first night or his second Raw, whatever it was. He beat Roman Reigns. Finn Balor beat Roman Reigns clean to win an opportunity to face Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship at SummerSlam. Then he goes to SummerSlam and he wins the Universal Championship. This guy was called up from NXT and the announcement was made, we're going all the way with you. Who knows what would have happened to him? He could have been the one to lose it to Goldberg. Maybe he would have lost it to Kevin Owens anyway. Who knows? Maybe he would have lost it to Brock. Who knows what would have happened to Finn Balor? But he gets injured, and ever since the injury, he just hasn't been able to to come back, unfortunately. I think he should. But it's just been a lot of setbacks, you know? I mean, his, 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 his rivalry with Bray Wyatt got really weird, and then there was no payoff. But then he had an amazing match with AJ Styles. And he won. Right? Didn't he beat AJ? He won the match against AJ Styles. But what happens? What do we go to? Nothing really after that. And it's a shame. It really is a shame. Because I think that uh, Finn Balor, a lot of people like Finn Balor. Kids love Finn Balor. Women love Finn Balor. And a lot of guys like Finn Balor. He's one of those, he's one of those, there's not that many guys that women can find attractive and guys are like, yeah, he's cool. Like, that doesn't really happen. Because most of the time, guys are like, he's not so great. He's not so great at all. 
But with Finn Balor, they're like, oh, I'll paint up like Finn Balor. And the girls are like going crazy for him. It's perfect. But I don't know. I don't know. For whatever reason at the moment, Finn Balor is not the guy that uh, anybody's going with. But I think that that could all change. You know, I don't I don't think that you can you can get yourself down over it or say, well, this is what is happening now. This is what we're doing. Because I don't I don't think it necessarily is. Uh, I'll tell you what I liked about Survivor Series. And I, I kind of got chills thinking about it. Like goosebumps thinking about it. New Day gets in the ring and they're like, you want to see a brotherhood? We are a brotherhood. We are the strongest brotherhood in WWE. And I thought to myself, this speech is going to be so perfect. When the New Day finally break up, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the New Day to break up. It is going to be such a traumatic thing for so many people when the New Day breaks up. Because it's going to be like, oh my God, they were they, that, that's, that's the biggest brotherhood there is. That's the biggest brotherhood there is. And now they're breaking up. Yep. Yes, they are. Oh, it's going to, I mean, I, I, I just think it can be, eventually it should be done. And it can be done really well. I don't know who you turn heel, though. You could turn, I think Xavier Woods would actually make a pretty cool heel. You know, I don't think it would work for Big E because he would have to stop being funny. And he's so good at being funny. And Kofi... Kofi could be a heel. I just think that Xavier Woods would be better at being a more natural heel. You know? I just uh, I, I just think that, that he'd be better at it. So, um, we'll see. I see, you know, one person saying that New Day should always be a unit even if they all go singles. I don't know. Something about them saying we're the strongest brotherhood in WWE made me be like, oh, I want somebody to turn on, on the other guys. I want somebody in this group to not be in the brotherhood anymore. Maybe they'll never, never do that. But I don't know. That speech made me think like, oh, I want it to happen badly. Um, so let's talk about uh, uh, Raw and SmackDown. Um, the Miz losing the Intercontinental title. The Miz losing the Intercontinental title is a big deal and probably should have been made. Well, there's two big deals here. The Miz losing the Intercontinental title is a big deal. And Roman Reigns winning the Intercontinental title is a big deal. Because the question is, why would you have Roman Reigns win the Intercontinental title? Why would you have a guy who's in the main event already, who's already got everything, who we already know is going to get a shot at the Universal title, and maybe is already the guy who's going to beat Brock Lesnar, why are you now also giving him the Intercontinental Championship? Especially when The Miz is doing the best stuff of his career. And there's a, couple, there's a couple of points to make on that. Number one, it does prove that The Miz elevated the Intercontinental Championship. The fact that it would even be put on Roman Reigns. The title is not being put on Rain, Roman Reigns to elevate the championship. Miz already did that, and, and it's natural. Here's, here's why I think it's happening. And why it's actually not bad for even people who don't like Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns being the Intercontinental Champion steps him out of the Universal title picture. You gotta believe that the Universal Championship is gonna be defended at the Royal Rumble. But you also gotta believe that Roman Reigns will probably not get a Universal Championship shot until WrestleMania. So what do you do with Brock Lesnar? You've got, you've got 
a Raw pay-per-view, no Raw pay-per-view in December. The next time Raw is on pay-per-view is Royal Rumble, right? So the next time Brock Lesnar conceivably defends the Universal Championship, it's at the Royal Rumble in January. So how do you keep Roman Reigns out of the Universal title picture and make it make sense? Well, put the Intercontinental title on him. He's not going to chase the Universal Championship while he's the Intercontinental Champion. And, you know, I see somebody asking what the crowd reaction to Roman Reigns was in Houston. I'll tell you what it was to, uh, in Houston. And it was really interesting to see. Houston was booing the New Day. It was the first time I've seen it. But it wasn't just for Roman Reigns, obviously. It was for the Shield. But Houston was booing the New Day and cheering the Shield. Because the Shield is still a huge crowd favorite with Roman Reigns. Matter of fact, people like the Shield better when Roman Reigns is there than when he isn't there. People like Roman Reigns when he's in the Shield. And I think that it's a smart thing to put him back with the Shield now. And you talk about New Day, uh, when they break up, even if they're singles, still being friends, not like turning on each other, I think that that's what's going to happen with the Shield. I think that by WrestleMania, Roman Reigns will be back to having singles matches, but I think he'll still be buddy-buddy with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins because he'll still have that magic shield dust on him. You know what I mean? So he won't have to uh, uh, deal with the booze. He'll still have a little bit of those uh, excess shield cheers for him, which, which, which is going to help him, I think, a lot. Um, not, maybe not like, it's not going to help him all the way. He's still going to get booed. But it'll be better than it would have been, I think. So putting the Intercontinental Championship on him takes him out of the Universal title picture for the time being, which is smart. You have to do it, and it creates a new story for Roman Reigns. What else does it do? Where did I say that title uh, was being defended next? At the Royal Rumble, right? Who The winner of the Royal Rumble gets what? A shot? at either the Universal Champion or the WWE Champion. I would imagine that the winner of the Royal Rumble will get a shot at whatever brand the champion is on. Sometimes they go like, well, you can choose whichever one you want. I would imagine this one, no. But if they do, who knows what could happen? It could be really, really interesting. That said, Roman Reigns is Intercontinental Champion. All you have to do is create a story for him surrounded by the Intercontinental title, and then, then... You don't have to have him in the Royal Rumble at all. What would you rather see? Roman Reigns as Intercontinental Champion or Roman Reigns winning the Royal Rumble? My bet would be you're going to boo a lot harder if Roman Reigns again wins that GD Royal Rumble, right? So now as Intercontinental Champion... Roman Reigns doesn't have to be in the Royal Rumble at all. Roman Reigns doesn't have to be in the Royal Rumble at all. We don't have to worry about whether that guy's going to win because he's going to have an IC title match somewhere on the show and he's not even going to be in the match. That's great. He can still get to WrestleMania down the line because whoever wins the Royal Rumble can go after the WWE Championship and AJ Styles or whoever it is. And by the way, if I'm sitting here going, who's the alternative? If it's not Nakamura wrestling AJ Styles at WrestleMania, check this out. You know what I do? I have The Miz win the Royal Rumble and then challenge AJ Styles. I'm not against that. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble. Don't get me wrong. But if I need an alternative, I'm having The Miz win the Royal Rumble and then go back to SmackDown to challenge AJ Styles. 
And since Roman Reigns is a good guy and he's winning the Universal Championship at, the, at WrestleMania in the main event, probably, I would have Miz win the WWE Championship in the middle of the show as a bad guy because the Miz deserves to be WWE Champion. And if he beats AJ Styles for it at WrestleMania, oh, will they boo that man. Oh, will they boo that bad guy. It's not even a game anymore. But that's what I think uh, I, I think should happen. That's why I don't think it's such a bad thing that the Intercontinental title is on Roman Reigns because it, it'll keep him out of the it'll keep him out of the Royal Rumble. We move over to and we'll talk about the women in a minute. But we move over to SmackDown, and I, I see a bunch of people on the Facebook page, and they're saying, uh, uh, "Is is Daniel Bryan turning heel? Is there going to be a Shane McMahon Daniel Bryan thing?" Look, I think they definitely are building tension between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. I think if you're paying attention to the story. It makes way more sense for Shane McMahon to be the heel. Shane McMahon is doing way more bad guy stuff than Daniel Bryan is. But there's definitely tension between the two. I just don't know how they settled the tension because Daniel Bryan can't wrestle. We heard about it last week on the podcast. There's an 85% chance he's coming back, but only a 20% chance it'll be in a WWE ring. So what are we doing here? How are we going to make it? So that Daniel Bryan gets his revenge. I don't know. Maybe they'll be represented by people. I'm not sure. But I don't think we're going to see Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, even in a tag team match, compete against each other. I wish. That would be a dream match for me to see. But I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I do think that there is tension building purposely. And I think that either Shane or AJ is going, I mean, Shane or Daniel is going to uh, turn into, is going to be a bad guy in this thing. I think one of them is going to have a heel turn here. Uh, let's talk about the women. Uh, I said, John says, I'm sick of the McMahon family stealing KO's main event. I'm assuming from Kevin Owens. Um, I don't know. I think it's a story and I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. Uh, I see Steven saying, you'd also think a move, uh, for Finn Balor to SmackDown Live would help. Raw at the moment has big men. SmackDown Live has the better wrestlers. I would be all in favor of Finn Balor going over to SmackDown. Uh, what about Samoa Joe challenging AJ Styles after winning the Royal Rumble? I'd be okay with that, but honestly, I'd rather have the Miz win. Um, I'd rather have the Miz challenge AJ Styles. Uh, but I am all for Finn Balor going over to SmackDown. Mm, I think that that'd be very, very refreshing. I think Samoa Joe is actually doing really, really well on Raw. I would keep him on Raw for now. I think I think there's there's big things in plans for Samoa Joe, and I would imagine a match that I pitched for WrestleMania last year will go down at WrestleMania this year, and that matches Samoa Joe versus Braun Strowman. I think it'll be WrestleMania. It could be uh, Roadblock End of the Line. No, Fastlane. Fastlane is the one in February. Roadblock End of the Line isn't happening this year. Fastlane is in February. So it could be at a Fastlane pay-per-view, but I think it'll be at... WrestleMania. That's my that's my prediction for Braun Strowman at WrestleMania is uh, Samoa Joe. That's what I would do. Not really a prediction, more of just like uh, you know, if it were up to me, that's that's the way we would do it. So we move forward now and let's talk about the the invasion of NXT women on the main roster of WWE on the Raw and SmackDown roster. We saw uh, uh, all uh, six women, Paige included showing up uh, in, in on the main roster this week. I thought the Raw section of it was pretty close to perfect. Uh, Paige coming in with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, I think, works to the T. 
and it makes sense. Uh, it's like a new Mean Girls Club. I, I love uh, both characters, Sandy, uh, uh, Mandy and Sonia. I think the idea that Sonia Deville is this kickboxer with actual kickboxing experience is it feels relevant and modern and cool and not something that we already have in the women's division. And I love the idea that like Mandy Rose has this vibe about her where she's like this super hot blonde, but instead of being like this Barbie doll, she looks like a power lifter. I mean, she looks so strong. She looks like she could kick somebody's ass, but she's like the hottest chick in the world, which is a, it's a very valuable thing. There's not too many people like that. It's tough to come by. So I think that that, I think that on Raw, it worked perfectly. I think on SmackDown, it felt like a retread and there was no big star, right? Ruby Riot was in the role of Paige. And I think Ruby Riot is, is amazing. Um, I'm glad that she, I'm glad all of those women are on the main roster. All of them. Um... It was funny because uh, uh, we saw the the Charlotte, who couldn't remember uh, the woman's name, who showed up on SmackDown with Ruby Riot and with uh, 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 Liv Morgan. That's that's who Charlotte. That's the that's that that's the uh, uh, sports entertainer. That's the superstar who Charlotte couldn't remember when she was on the podcast. That's who she was talking about. So it's funny that now she's sharing a locker room with Charlotte. Um, and 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 I'm glad that all six of them are there. Liv Morgan, I'm really glad, is on SmackDown. I just wish that, you know, it wasn't exactly the same as what happened on Raw. Or if it is exactly the same uh, as what happened on Raw, then all you have to do is name a faction and make them two parts of the same faction. Like, take all of these women, right, and put them all together in one group. The six women, they could be called the Lady Killers. And you have the Lady Killers from Raw, and you have the Lady Killers from SmackDown. And then it makes sense. If Paige comes out and she goes, these are the Lady Killers, and they go on and they beat up everybody, okay, then on SmackDown, three women come and they do the same thing, and they also say, we're in the Lady Killers as well. Well, now you're on to something. Now you've got a faction where you've got, and, it, and you've got an interesting faction. Because now you've got a faction where there's, where there's two parts. Two parts. A SmackDown part and a Raw part, but it's one big group. And when you have dual branded pay-per-views, when you get to the Royal Rumble, when you get to WrestleMania, when you get to SummerSlam, you get to see the two groups come together and they're, they're a cohesive unit. That's how you, you, you make it so that it makes sense that they're both doing the same thing. Because otherwise, it just feels like, oh, we, there's another group of women that we want to bring on board. And so we're just going to have them debut in the same way. Now, yeah, Bullet Club Women's Division. That's right, John. Now, I, I think that it's a super, super positive for both rosters to have these new women. Uh, number one, because it really freshens up the women's division on both shows, which both shows need. Raw especially, because we're seeing the same things a lot. But both shows definitely need that freshening up. Um, and uh, and on SmackDown too, I suppose. The other element, not only does it freshen up the roster, but it leaves us open to an all-women Royal Rumble match. It's not going to be 30 people probably, but 15, 20, even 25 women. 
Now we've got rosters that are, are big enough that we're not just going to have to fill it up with May Young Classic competitors. We've actually got female WWE superstars that can compete in a Royal Rumble match, which I think will happen this year uh, based on you know the fact that we have six new additions all coming in. Um, Bobby Brown, new addition. And and it's time, right? People, they, the WWE right now loves doing first-time matches for women, and I think that these are the women to do it. And I, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be cool to see. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, I think it'll be great. I see David saying, uh, I would have had the iconic duo come over to SmackDown and attack Charlotte and Becky. Here's why the choices that WWE made in terms of who came from NXT to the main roster this week were so well done. It didn't hurt NXT. If if uh, uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce had come over to Raw and or SmackDown, then you're you're leaving a gap in NXT. If Nikki Cross had come over, you're leaving a big gap in NXT. You know, Ruby Riot was probably the biggest name to come over from NXT, and even she wasn't quite quite there yet. She was still looked at as kind of a newcomer in NXT. So I think that they actually did a great job, a great job of, of bringing people over. Uh, I see Corey saying, if they do a women's Royal Rumble, will they keep the women's money in the bank match? I don't see why not. I think they probably will keep the women's money in the bank match. I think they'll just do both. I think, I think you know, after the women's Royal Rumble, they'll just start doing this stuff. There'll be more women's Hell in a Cell matches. There'll be more uh, 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 women's hardcore table matches, whatever. But yes, I think you'll see a women's Money in the Bank match. I think you'll see a women's Royal Rumble match. All of it. Um, I, I just think that uh, uh, I just think it, it, it it's perfect what they did because now NXT as a brand is not hurt. NXT can still go on tour. NXT still has their matches because not only do they still have all of their main event. Uh, people, all of their main event women in NXT, but they've also got the whole May Young tournament, you know, waiting in the bullpen, ready to go. Shayna Baszler's back there, you know. Mercedes is coming in. All everybody who was in the NXT, instead of just coming in for Candice LeRae, instead of just coming in for for shots here on here and there on NXT, you've got all these women that are ready to go at, at any moment. Um, I see that uh, 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 one person's asking, did NXT TakeOver have low attendance? No, it didn't have low attendance. I don't know if it was sold out, but it did, certainly didn't have low attendance. Uh, Jace is asking, why aren't they teasing a Carmella cash-in? Every time Carmella walks to the ring with that briefcase, they're teasing a cash-in. Every time you see Carmella holding the briefcase, it's a tease for the cash-in. I think the best thing you can do with a Money in the Bank briefcase winner is have them carry the briefcase as their accessory to the ring. Every time they come to the ring, the briefcase should be on them at all times. That way it's always a tease. You're always reminding people, but you're not rubbing it in people's faces. I think when you're rubbing it in people's faces, then people come to expect it, and it's not a big shock when it finally happens. I think the best thing you can do is have people stop talking about it a little bit, and then boom, here comes Carmella ready to cash in the briefcase. Because we know it's in play, because we see it every week. We just don't keep on talking about it, which I think is good. Um, some person is saying, I saw Money in the Bank is going to be a dual brand show. I think the women one goes away. It's possible. I don't even know if it's really a dual brand show. I know the internet's saying that. Um, but I, I also don't think it's the craziest thing. If it's a dual brand show, look, what if they dual brand the Money in the Bank matches? 
What if it is a dual brand show, but there's still only one men's and one women's match, and you have four four guys from Raw, four guys from SmackDown, four women from Raw, four women from SmackDown, then the briefcase means even more. What if you can then take the briefcase and go between brands? What if we can do that? I like that better than doing a Raw briefcase and a SmackDown briefcase. I'd rather do a men's briefcase and a women's briefcase that combine brands and then make the briefcase even more exciting because you can go between brands. I think that's the way to do it. That's the way you got to do it. One person's asking, do you think there'll be a women's tag team championship? I No, I think that that would be a mistake. I, st- I don't think the rosters have enough depth to do that on both shows. I think if you combine the women all onto one show, then you could do that. But until then, I, don't, I just don't see how it's a possibility. I think that, you know, then there's just not enough women to make that compelling. Oh man. Uh all right. Well, I think uh I think let me let me let me check my bullet points and make sure that we uh covered it. I did love that uh they brought back the lumberjack match on SmackDown. I don't know what it is about me. I found out this week I absolutely love lumberjack matches. I am a fan of lumberjack matches. They're great. They're terrific. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget, if you listen to this uh, this week, I want to say happy Thanksgiving. And uh, right now, until I guess the end of the week, maybe the end of the weekend, Pro Wrestling Tees is having their 20% off sale. 20% off everything using the code Black Friday. If you go to uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash samroberts or notsam.com slash merch, you get to the Pro Wrestling Tees website. You can order a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, a Not Sam t-shirt, a Little Kid Sam t-shirt, whatever you want to get. 8-bit t-shirt, action figure t-shirt. They're all there at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts or NotSam.com slash merch. And if you put in the code Black Friday, you're going to get 20% off your order. Support the podcast and look unbelievably cool. I appreciate all you guys tuning in and listening. I appreciate all of the people that uh, joined us on Facebook. And we will see you next week right here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.